shrimp tanks we have stacked on high fill up with the almond leaves and the cholo wood supply never ending at joe's JoeShrimpShack.com. Use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout for a wonderful 15% off. Merry Christmas from Joe Shrimp Shack. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast with your hosts, Tim Colby and Rob Zolson. Welcome to the Christmas special podcast. We, we did one last year and I, I wrote a story. It was just six minutes to remind you that you shouldn't be listening to podcasts on Christmas. You should be enjoying your family. Uh, this year, COVID ruined that for everyone. So now we're here to entertain you for those that are stuck at home under quarantine that can't be at home with your family. Consider us, you know, sitting by your fireplace at home about to do a fun, candid interview during family Christmas time. It just so happens to be about the Aquarium Guys podcast. And uh, we'll finish up with a little story from Jimmy this year because I, I did one last year, Jimmy. Yeah, I did. And I listened to it today and it was very interesting. And I had to see if I had to come back with anything to smack you with. But you were actually pretty well behaved last year. It was pretty good. Yeah. Not going to lie. Uh, I, again, I'm Rob Solson. I'm Jim Colby. And today we have the uh, wonderful Aaron Beck joining us. At, he's going to be the interviewer. Inter, and we're the interviewees. Yeah, I think that's how they... Is that... I think that, yeah. Is that how it works? Yeah. I'm, I'm under a tremendous amount of pressure. I literally have two spotlights staring at me on top of being interviewed. So I'm very nervous, Jimmy. Honestly, you, you get used to it, but... The blinding lights never go away. Uh, they, they really never do. That's why I wear shades. Apparently, you, never, you two have never been in the police station. Well, I, I, I do my best to, you know, not. Yeah, no, I've had the lights in my face before and had a lot of questions thrown at me. So I Is can, that why you only use liquid soap? In the shower at the jail. You okay. Do, yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, I think we should just dive into this other than, uh, you know, hopefully you'll be hearing a, a crackling fireplace in the background, sipping a hot cup of holiday gas station soda. You know, feel the Christmas spirit with us and... Uh, Again, Merry Christmas to one and all. But uh, Aaron, so you happen to be a uh, amazingly handsome, uh, a single man that uh, has skills in uh, video production on at least all levels to some degree. Uh, you've made a, a lot of fun indie films over the past, and uh, that is your career choices, you know, film editing, producing, all, all that. So number one, uh, give us a little about yourself. Well, you know, I, why you love me. I, Mostly. Hmm. Mm, you know, uh, Jim, does he always go in dry? Jesus, you, <laughs> you, know, you set me up too much. I feel like it's more pressure that Jimmy put me in. He's I, like, I, I need to be in bed by 10 o'clock, and I'm looking at my watch, and we have 30 minutes. I, oh. I, I, yeah, I never let him go in dry. I usually lube it up pretty good. With McRib sauce. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, video editing is my job. and uh, But re really, it's all about if I am interested in things, and I, I ask a lot of questions, I just, I'm better at it. Um, which, you know, one day I'll get good at it, but we'll see. So how on the earth did you have this idea for this fish dock? 
geez, geez, Rob, you're just you're just going in there. I was gonna be like, I've got all this, I've got this fun story about how we met, and you're just you're just killing it for oh, everybody. Oh, we're we're gonna get there eventually. Oh, but okay. I figure we get the business out of the way before we have our pleasure. Yeah, let's you know not I mean? talk about the gay bathhouse right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, again, liquid soap only. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, man, what a what a way to try to transition. Put out, there. would you? Come on, put put out. Be nice. Be nice to me. I like Beck. Best behavior. Oh, oh it's Christmas. It's Christmas. We don't want to be on the naughty oh, list. Excuse me. We should do it like a normal family Christmas and start, you know, nitpicking each other immediately. Well, you know, I uh, I got this friend, Rob's, and he's kind of into fish. And he was telling me all about these fish, and I'm like, that's kind of interesting. And then he's telling me that, uh, well, you know, I got this fish podcast going on. And I'm like, that's also interesting, but more interesting that your wife told me about it first and saying that it was, and I quote, kind of blowing up. Wow. I didn't know my wife talked about me. You know, it's kind of rare for Minnesotans. They're terribly Norwegian, regardless of your background. You know, don't you know? It's, uh, it's just one of those things where I think, I think fish is an interesting topic. It's really deep. And oh. <laughs> there's a lot to oh. jump into and, uh, you know, really get your feet wet. I feel like we gotta start doing a drinking game. Well, that's ooh, that's mostly gonna take a toll on Jim here. He's got two livers. Don't let him kid you. I'm a professional, so I'm to blame for this idea. That is what you're saying. Uh, let's, well, let's hopefully not uh, the the blame. I mean, you know, I think you'd be putting a little bit of importance on yourself there. But, yeah, I don't uh, want to. I don't want that importance. Uh, I mean, you you definitely introduced me to all these people who, uh, you know, they're they're really they're really passionate about what they do, and um, you know, that makes me formulate some opinions about this. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more down the line tonight when I uh, feel a little bit more into it. You know, I want to I, I, I want to get to know Jim. You know, you know, I went in dry. I feel like you, you you've now lubed the situation. So where would you like to begin, sir? Well, you know, I, I figured I'd, I'd I'd talk about the the funny story of how I met Rob's because I I don't do the hobby. I don't have a single fish, but I've known Rob's for how, how long have we known each other? Something like four or five years now. It's been a bit, a hot minute. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're these dorks who, uh, used to play magic together. Well, we still kind of do, but just not as much. I mean, no, you're, you're still dorks. We're just older now. Well, thank you for that vote of confidence. Yeah. You know, so, okay. <laughs> There's this guy, right? Imagine me. I'm in, I'm in groups online about where people talk about the game. It was all happening in the uh, central Minnesota. There's not a lot of population, not a lot of people who play the game. But somehow there's this beautiful little tight-knit community that has come together and keeps getting new people in. And suddenly in this area with like low population, there's like a 30-person group meeting every week, which is insane. I've played the game for a long time and to have a town of population less than 10,000 have 30 people meet every week and play for like five hours is crazy. That was minimum. Minimum, Minimum. And these guys were so into it. They're fanatics. And there's this one guy who keeps popping up and he keeps trying to start shit. I'm thinking to myself here, who is this guy, right? Because I haven't met him. He's like one town over. During college, when I go back to the hometown, I would be about 30 minutes away from where Rob's lived. There's a tiny bit of rivalry between our towns. It's really petty and it's hilarious. And one is definitely better. But, you know, we won't name names. We won't. And Rob's is out here and he's, he's like, oh, let's get these guys together. Let's do all this community involvement and stuff. And let's like fight between the towns. And I'm like, who is this guy? He's, he's really everywhere. And then I, I hear my townspeople, they're, they're talking about this guy, this guy Rob's. And then he's like, oh yeah, no, Rob's he's, he's, he's a little out there. He's a little crazy. Right. And Jim, you know what I'm talking about? A little out there. Well, you know, I like to put things mildly. His mailing address is Jupiter. I, I was, I thought Uranus was going to be the, <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to be the one. I'll save that for later. <laughs> oh. I'll save my Uranus for you. <laughs> Come on, Vic. Uh, I need more eggnog. You know, in the world of video, I, I, I know that I can just edit all of this out. And, I, and 
with this, I can only I only pray to God that that's going to happen. Nope, it's yeah. not. We're going to enjoy. It, it doesn't matter. This. Nobody listens to this, this crap is, anyway. This is Christmas. This is bonus Christmas content. This is what they came for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to meet Robs. I message him. We're going to hang out and play some magic. He was living with one of my good friends at the time. So, and so kind of a blind date. You know, a little bit. I tell you what, it is exactly as much of a horror story as you might expect from a blind date because the first thing we do, the very first thing is I get to his house. I'm like, hey, Robs, what's up? The first time I'm meeting you. And he's like, oh, yeah, great. Aaron, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm Aaron. And he's like, do you want to do you want to go to my fish warehouse? Mind you, I know nothing about this man. Wait, was my limo outside at the time? You didn't own the limo yet. Oh, okay. You didn't own the limo yet. I'm still pissed about that. <laughs> I'm still mad. He, just, he said I could use it in a film, and he's like, oh, I have a limo. And then I'm like, hey, Robs, four months later, do you have the limo? You just know, sold it. I had to sell it. I'm like, I told everyone. <laughs> just sold it. He had to sell the limo because it was in his driveway, but it also was out in the, it was out a, in the street. <laughs> it was a 1980s Lincoln stretch limousine, and I got it off of Craigslist. I got it for a steal. I fixed it up, and a guy walked in my yard and gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. He said, come on in the back and, of the limo, and I'll show you something fun. That kind of offer? Or, like, or was it cash? It was cash. So he paid you to go to the back I of the I did tell him that there is Coke stains in it, though. <laughs> was that from when you went to the, the mall the other month? Or? No, I think that's where they use it as like a car double in Scarface movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So imagine me. I'm like, I'm going to make this throwback to 80s buddy cops. Yeah, a white limo. Fantastic. The bad guys will drive around in that. And nope, just pulled the rug right from under me, which is fantastic, you know. But uh, fish warehouse and I'm going in there. I'm like, okay, sure. And we go to this secondary location and I'm thinking to myself, what am I getting myself into? I go back in here and it's just tanks and somebody just comes in and then Rob's is like, hey, you know, as he does. And um, <laughs> you make me sound like I got like tart burgers or something. Oh, sorry. Do you, I could I could do a little bit of half rand. So <laughs> <laughs> that was so dead on. <laughs> Oh, I want that as my ringtone. Is this the Comedy Central roast of Rob's? I feel like this is what we're getting at. You kind of signed on to it. I, I mean, like, Jim's we're, turns we're, later. We're stuck here in the middle of a cabin, and there's a winter storm, and I'm going to run out of hot chocolate at some point, and there will be hell to pay. We'll switch to eggnog and watch your colon blow. So, <laughs> lady comes in. She's like, uh, you know, I brought these, and she's just got a bag of fish of, I don't know. Oh, I thought it was drugs. I, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm going to describe this to you, and I, I kid you not, the vernacular, dead on, right there. He's like, oh, yeah, you got them? I got I got yours right here. And they, they just do a little exchange, and we're done in five minutes, and I'm just kind of sitting there to myself like, this is some nice quiet. I hope nothing bad happens to him. <laughs> and at this point, you thought to yourself, I wish I had a safe word. <laughs> Blueberry pancakes. I was too innocent at the time. I didn't know I needed one with Rob's. Everybody needs a safe word with Robs. And we would meet up all the time because we, we hit it right off the bat uh, for whatever reason. Love it first Coke exchange. And so you start going steady. That's uh, cute. You got to give a little, you know? So, <laughs> and uh, Robs really wants to give it and I, you know, some, sometimes. Over the years, he would tell me about like this fish related stuff that he would do. And it would, it would just be great. I played so much Animal Crossing as a child. And I tell you what, I got addicted to fishing in that game. So like, I know like some species and one of the really cool ones that I always thought was like awesome was an arowana. And Rob's, he tells me one day, he tells me, he's like, Aaron, you'll never believe what I got. And I'm like, what did you get Rob's? And he sends me a picture of the most beautiful fish I have ever seen with my own two eyes. Yeah, there's better pictures online, but in person, 
it's it's just fantastic. I'm not a camera. Was guy. this the first Arowana you've ever seen? It, it was the first one I okay. saw in person. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my first set of boobs, too. I go, they're the most beautiful boobs I've ever seen. Oh, man. When I went to Forest Lake Pets for the first time, I was losing it. So I see this and I, I'm a film guy. I love doing photography. I take nice photos of it and I'm thinking like, ah, oh, this is really fun. I'll never use these for anything, but it's really fun. A couple of weeks later, he's like, yeah, check out this hybrid here in the bottom. And I'm like, that's also kind of cool. Not nearly as cool as the arowana. And he's like, oh God, no. And uh, you know, what could go wrong? Over the years, he would, he would get these fun things and he would tell me about it. And I would, I would think nothing of it because we also just played magic until he starts doing podcasts last year. I listened to his podcast and I'm like, wow, this is, um, well, you know, it's a podcast. It's, uh, could be more researched. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't really know if this is for him because he doesn't really sound like an expert on this. But then I listened to his fish podcast that he started up slightly afterwards and I'm like, oh, this is great. Yep. You, you have no idea how long I've waited to tell you how I actually felt about the magic one. It's it wasn't good. It was, it, it was, like it was reading the news. It was not good. It was just reading the news. Which is really great that you had the fish one because it worked out. It really did. You found your niche. There, clearly, it's it's now in better hands. Now that I know that I'm uh, some sort of enigma, people need to be concerned about. And apparently, oh, you did just, drug you, deals out of a fish room. You just love when I use that phrase, don't you? Uh, Robs. I've never even heard the word enigma. Robs is an enigma until you you told me it so and then i met him and he's like oh he's mostly memes he's uh, mostly hippopotamus i'm gonna have to work on my first impressions but so, thank you so i was listening to this podcast i didn't start right out the way i think it was uh somewhere between four and six in but i was listening to it i was listening to how you were talking how the guest was talking and i think you can just appreciate a couple of guys who are talking about something they really know what they're talking about and they know how to talk about it it's just enjoyable i have no idea what's going on i don't know fish but i'm tangentially friends with rob so you know i can kind of appreciate that he's doing his thing and he's he's having a good time with it and also i guess he's having to seem to be enjoying it surprisingly it is fun just to see your face every time jimmy so <laughs> i look forward to oh to seeing my face yes I, I'm still waiting for my first check to clear, so that's why I'm still here. Oh, yeah, that big podcast money. You know what I'm talking about, Jim? I'm just hoping for enough money for McRib. That's all I really, really want. That's our goal for next Christmas. You need anything else, buddy? I'm, I, I, I feel I'm like... I'm here for you. I feel like I really need to work on my first impressions, and uh, I, I feel closer to you. Well, you know, you just, you gotta, you gotta practice to get better at it, but that's all it takes. You know, just believe in yourself. So for what the fans demand, right? And now they have a uh, real scope on me being accurate as a human being. And uh, now I made everybody go on Craigslist and look for a limousine uh, mm -hmm. for cheap. But uh, what else you got for us? Let's, how you say, begin the interview. Wonderful. First question, Robs, what did you have for breakfast today? <laughs> Uh, I didn't eat breakfast, but I did have uh, ginger ale that was diet because of diabetes. For those that don't know, we ask this every time on the podcast. We do these podcasts live. We always ask what we had for breakfast to do audio checks. And uh, Adam always talks about some like nasty ass kombucha. Jim talks about having gummy bears and vodka. And the guests are completely horrified because generally this is like some of the first touches they have with us on the podcast. We have, we talk to them, we try to warn them and they get on and talk about gummy bears and vodka and rotten kombucha and they're just like why am i on this podcast the the most common thing that i get whenever i do this is people say nothing and i'm always like that's you know that's not the best for your health you know to start the day right so right. rob's uh i think we need to have a talk later get some post toasties so jim uh how was those uh gummy bears and vodka you know, I, I don't have gummy bears and vodka every morning. Sometimes I have a bag of Doritos and then I have a snort of cocaine off a dead hooker's ass. In the limo, right? No. <laughs> out in the woods. And I found her out there dead. I didn't put her there. I just found her. 
This is literally like right there is literally how we do audio tests every time. So there's your there's your clip. Clip it, share it. I I just, I just want to be done. You know what's what's really great is I I I wanted to uh, show some people a different side of you guys. A big thing with me is like the fish are interesting, but I'm more interested in the people. This is a behind the scenes moment and a uh, good place here. Honestly, most of this interview is going to be sort of like behind the scenes stuff. Um, Wonderful. Let's start out. You've got this podcast and you've got it going. So going into it, Rob's going into making this podcast, what what were your goals? Did you have any sort of like mission statement? So again, I, I we did the podcast. The first one I did alone was the uh, that magic podcast. So the moment that right. I did that, I'm like, no, no, no right. this, this isn't a fit. I like podcasting, but I got to do something I'm more passionate about. And uh, I've been picking on Jimmy forever. Like it took, what, four months, Jimmy, to get you to see even like come over once to look at a microphone. You didn't even know what a podcast was. I didn't even have a safe word, so I wasn't coming over. Yeah, no, no safe word. So it took quite a while to get your butt over here. And we did just our test run. We had no idea that we would ever like get into it. So we had no expectations starting like the first three episodes. After that, it was like some like glorified aha moment. And then immediately like this works. We could use this as a tool to have all these like insider secrets no one wants to talk about on YouTube or whatever else and share things that people are either afraid to or don't want to because it's somehow covering up their breeding secrets or we just see a lot of information disappear. And that was like the light, like, oh my gosh, we could do this and do it and have fun and do it in our own way. Have something that wasn't dry and told things that we weren't going to apologize for. Yeah, and I would I would say that that was really noticeable right off the bat. Um, other than the fact that I think the word "crass" you used is kind of crass, guys. Well, that and we keep getting feedback. And I think it, it was it episode one. I have a clip in there that I keep getting sent by people saying, "I just want to nut Jimmy." <laughs> I don't know what that means. I do. Um, know what it means. <laughs> all right, you you scared me there, son. I just want to nut. That was how it all began. Yeah, yeah, boys and girls. Yeah, this this jerk badgers me. I think badgering is a good freaking word. And he badgered me. He said, come on, let's do a podcast. And if you know Rob's like 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 we know Rob's, sometimes oh, yeah. he's got a short attention span and something shiny. Really? You know, something shiny is over here. And then so I thought, what? You know, we're going to do three podcasts and I'll never hear from him again. And then he camped out in front of my doorstep and said, we got to do this some more. Did he, did he hold a boombox up? Yes, he did. You've seen the movie. What were your thoughts as you were sort of tepidly recording this first episode? I, I seriously thought, you know, let's get this over. It's going to be an hour of my life that I'm never going to get back. And uh, we did it. It was somewhat enjoyable. And then the second one was a little more enjoyable. And then Rob's pulled a guest out of his back pocket and he got one of my favorite guys in the world, uh, Mr. Steve Rubicki from Angels Plus on. And once we had Steve on, for some reason that gave us a little bit of legitimacy. You know, people that, oh, these guys aren't completely nuts. They actually have got a guest on. And if uh, I can say that one thing that Rob does and he does well, he gets all these guests from all over the world on some of the most interesting people we've had. I've never even heard of until they've been on this podcast and people are just blown away. So Kudos to Rob for that. In my defense, right? I bribe them with uh, with things that we don't deliver on. So we have a long <laughs> check to give a lot of people. So we need to order about 200 t-shirts is what you're saying. Uh, something like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you made a lot of promises early on. And uh, I hope nobody re-listens to that. No, we, we've actually uh, been reminded on some of them. We've done most of them. But I think the first promise we did, we still haven't delivered on, which was finally making a compatibility poster, Jimmy. I had to re-listen to that. Oh, really? We need to get that done. It's on my list for next year. Secrets Farm sells them. Go ahead and buy one. Have you ever used Google Images? Yes, that's, it's there. We just got to like make our own with our own brand. Everything in time. We have to white out whoever copyrighted it. You know, that sort of thing. 
So, um, it's, I like that you, uh, brought up Steve Rubicki, uh, episode and for, uh, anybody out there who hasn't listened to it, episode six of this podcast is phenomenal. I think it was the first time that you guys really hit your format and, uh, really were able to showcase everything that makes the podcast, uh, something that I was connecting with despite being a total outsider when it comes to fish. It was where I could easily see that your mission was get this good information and put it out there. And why Steve was the perfect guest for that was because he was already doing that. I think uh, when it comes to skills, a lot of people tend to get defensive. You would have obviously seen this in the aquarium hobby because you tell people about it all the time. Oh yeah, don't you know? Oh yeah, bud. So Steve is out here. He's giving people good information because he knows that what makes him different is his experience as a breeder. And that's the thing that's most important. And you can't recreate that. You can't cheat your way to it. You can get some helpful advice, but you need to learn these lessons. It was also sharing not only your knowledge of fish, but also, Rob's, your own personal background in web development IT, where you were just being a total dork with this guy, going on the Wayback Machine to look at his original website. It was pretty great. Like, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Steve enjoyed that. Like, he, he did. He, like, asked for links after the podcast and archived it. Honestly, I just feed off other people's energy, and I was like, oh, these guys are going off, and I am here for it. Like, he could have just said, I want a nut, and we're there. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the last point that I uh, would say between you guys and Steve, it was just that you guys were incredibly genuine and authentic about how you were communicating, right? I think there's a lot of times in any content creation that people, and sometimes very quickly, lose that genuine excitement because they really wanted to do it. Maybe they only get a couple in and then they just start phoning it in like Jim's worst nightmare. You know, you guys have managed to keep that generosity and authenticity going. Again, episode six, for anybody who hasn't heard it, is absolutely phenomenal for saying everything that you need to know about this podcast. Aww. You know, Steve Rubicki, I've known for over 30 years. And when I first started purchasing items from Steve Rubicki and getting information about breeding angelfish, he was just a phone call away, very knowledgeable. He was one of the very, very first people ever on the internet selling fish, if not the first. We've had some arguments about that from different people. But um, what, I, what I love about Steve, it's all about quality. It's all about getting the best possible product to the customer not apologizing for prices. He is getting extremely fantastic prices for his stuff and good for him. I mean, he's giving you a wonderful, wonderful product. But what I, I really appreciate about Steve is he is so incredibly busy, so much more busy than he was 30 years ago. And uh, if you're a new customer, uh, you have to make an appointment to talk to him on the phone. And he charges, I think the rate was posted. It was like in a ridiculous, like three digit rate. He charges per hour and there's a minimum just for having conversations with him. Yeah, so if, if you're not a customer and you're just looking for information stuff, he'll give you his time, but it's gonna cost you. And I, I know for a fact that he kind of did that just to try to avoid some of these conversations he, because- He just doesn't have time. He just doesn't have time. And I, But Steve's always been so good to me for all the years and stuff. And when Rob called me that day and said, I got Steve Rubicki coming on the podcast, it just blew me away because I know that Steve's time is so valuable. One man doing over 400 tanks by himself, and he has to deal with customer service of people calling on the phone. It was his only way of trying to mediate it when being fair. So he's been trying to find ways to share his information, and he was very willing. Very willing. Surprise. That was when Jimmy's like, you know, Robs, I can't believe you actually, uh, you did this. Yeah, that was the first nice thing I ever said to you. I, and probably the last. It, I mean, that and my grill grilling tasted okay, you said. Yeah. 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 Oh, you thought it was fine? 
His grilling? He says a little dry, so I take that as a compliment. He made me a grilled cheese sandwich. What'd you get? You really like being dry. <laughs> after keep af- it moist. So after I after I listened to this episode, I I actually went to Angels. Uh, is it just Angels Plus? It or, is. Yeah. So I went to his website um, just out of curiosity because it was like I want to find out about this because they had an hour about this. It was fantastic, and oh, it looks like he's bringing it up right now. Absolutely, I have to and, know what you're talking about. And that. I think that day as well, I, I checked his blog and saw that a Mr. Steve Rubicki talked about how he was on the podcast. And he really summed up what I was feeling at the time, right? Do, do we want to read this off for the folks at home? Or is this, I mean, is this can. one where he was standing with a gun in his mouth? I feel like I hope something. Not. Go ahead and read it. Uh, I had the pleasure of doing an interview with a good group of guys who promoted the hobby. They are new at podcasting, but I've seen some real podcast talent in this group. I think it's worth subscribing to their podcast and following their work. In the topic was selling fish online. I gave my experiences and insights what worked for me, how to get started, and what to expect. Although I recommended that most keep it as a hobby... For those few possessed individuals, you might find this a bit helpful, or at least a little interesting. Thanks, Robbie, Jim, and Adam. That was exactly what was running through my head after I had listened to it, and I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. You should, uh, you know, it might help you on a on a bad day if you just compile all these things that people have said about you after they've been on your show. I just, I need tissues soon. Sometimes right. you need the touchy fifis. Just the tip. And... Blueberry pancakes. I don't feel safe in this room. Oh. <laughs> uh, That's my safe word. I thought it was Oklahoma. We we practiced this. No, Robs, pr- pr- pronounce pronounce a word that goes uh, P I A B A. Pronounce that. It's either piaba or piaba. I think it's piaba. Or is, is, is it pi- is it piaba? Pi- right. That that's that's the meme. Thank you for that. Right. Um. Yes. I still get people messaging me, uh, especially people like new, like they go through the podcast, they find OFR, they find one obscure video from them, and then they have to find me on Facebook and message me, Paiba, that's all, I've literally got like a handful of people doing that to me. Who could have done this to you? It was you, so thank you. There's no such thing. Also, another episode that like really stuck with me that I've listened to uh, was the uh, Project Piaba. Is it Piaba? It's gotta be. It's gotta be. It's Piaba. Yeah, Project Piaba episode with Scott Dowd. Uh, I remember I got a message at one in the morning from Rob's because Rob's knew that he listened to his podcast. That's dangerous info to give him. That's actually pretty early for him. I, I've gotten a lot of 4 a.m. text messages from Rob. I now have a day job if that matters. Thank you, Jesus. We'll find out if it does. <laughs> so, you know, he, he texts me and he's like, this guy's really dry. I don't know how I feel about this. And, you know, then I'm like, whatever, Rob's. I'm sorry, Scott. I love you though. I'm going to bed because I'm not dealing with this right now. It's one in the morning. So I listened to it the next day because, you know, I thought I might as well courtesy. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, what are you talking about? This is one of your best. What, like, I don't, I I couldn't understand why he thought this way. So, um, giving a little little preface, right? Because I always rate that as uh, the driest podcast and the one that I had to do the most work with. That was a quite a long podcast before edits. I took probably 40 minutes out of that podcast because we had such a terrible connection. He had a computer from 2006. He had a terrible microphone and there was a delay on top of everything. And then how he delivered was like, uh, I don't know, a Lutheran preacher on a very long Sunday afternoon. So there's a lot of pauses. And, and you were a, standing up and sitting down a lot. 
it was a lot of nerves on Scott's part. I don't know if that that's the case because before we talked to him, quick, during the podcast, he wanted to make sure he was getting the content as accurate as possible. So the amount of gaps between words, 40 to 45 minutes of cuts. After it was done, I couldn't listen to it for about three weeks just because I sat on that for days editing that podcast. One of my favorites. Welcome to my world. Days. So Jim, Rob's is telling me this and I'm like, oh, you're learning to be an editor, bud. I felt like I was growing a small aneurysm Oh, yeah. As I was editing this after it came out after about that three weeks and people started messaging me left and right saying how fantastic that podcast right. was and nothing to do with the editing other than the fact that he had such great content once I made him sound good. Like his content was on point. His mission spotlight was wonderful and turned into what I believed firmly was the worst podcast to literally top three. So a lot of what I do is trying to get people comfortable in a situation because I'm sure as the two of you are aware, you get the best out of people when, you know, they feel like they can be themselves. And sometimes they do need that little bit of extra help. 100%. And kind of like Bill Cosby. No, too no, soon. Ed, not too, too soon. soon. Too just, soon. Okay. I can't have Jello now at Christmas. <laughs> is he doing fine? How many are you in? I'm in three. Oh, Jim, it's gonna, it's a long night and it's cold out here. Yeah. We can spoon later. Yes, please. So, you know. Are you okay, Rubs? Nope. One, one of the. <laughs> Oklahoma. I, do you, do you, uh, something you consider is. Mm, I like you, the pudding pops. Something you consider. You consider pudding pops? Sorry, we're on a Bill Cosby tangent, don't you know? Don't, don't make him do impressions. Just answer the ask the question. Oh, my wife, Camille. <laughs> Jim, tell me about the pudding. I like the pudding pops. It's so good. He likes the pudding pops, Robs. There went 50 listeners. Just like just like that. Poof. Yeah. I always like to tell people, you know, it's my job to make you look good. Because it is. It really is. And in your case, it's, you know, to make people sound good. There's, there's just something, again, about somebody who is so passionate about what they're doing and what they're talking about that you can't help but love it. And I don't think we've talked about this since, and I know how worried you were about it, but I think you'll kind of find that, like, whenever you're really worried that something's going to, like, bomb and you don't know how it's going to go over because you had to put a lot of work into it, those are always the best. Uh, clearly, that one was uh, pushing a week editing and... Just for, it was an hour and 40 minutes of content. And it, it had nothing to do with, all I was doing is clearing dead air, ums, you know, prepositions. I did nothing else for edits. And he, it was just the most beautiful flowed content from change from A to B. So, tickle pink and I can't wait to uh, contact Scott and have him on again. Episode 27, Project Piaba. Again, that's another seminal episode in your repertoire. Now, talking about one that is a lot more recent, Mr. Bentley Pasco. Is that Pasco? It's like, yeah, Pasco. So he said he described it as Tabasco. That's how I remember it now. Because you suck at memory. Oh, Can we just have a Tom Jones? We, we could do a 30-minute episode of you just mispronouncing everybody's name. Uh, not once, but 17 times in a Mark row. Mark Smith, anybody? Yeah, if you could find a Mark Smith, that would be great. But if, if there's any fan out there who wants to make a supercut, we really appreciate it. I mean, even who would we have on on Monday night? We had had those uh, nice, nice people from the Seahorse people. Yes, and it, it just it was just the best. It was Kapil and Alyssa. And how many times did you say Kapil wrong? Okay, to be fair, it's spelled P-I-L. It's like Kapil, Kapil. It's it's a lot for me, right? Yeah, but you asked him seventeen times. Yeah, and I got it right in the podcast. <laughs> No, you didn't. I did. You did not. I did. I will have to re-listen to my oh, my episode. 
so yeah, it's just all about Rob's butcher names and stuff. But when people are listening to this or wondering what that podcast episode is, uh, we, we, we did this episode out of order. So know that we have like two or three episodes in the hopper at any given moment. Upcoming, we have a wonderful, wonderful podcast about seahorses with Alyssa and Kapil. So make sure you tune in. And we did not leave out any horse jokes. So know that assless chaps were referred to it. Thanks, Jimmy. You're welcome. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you should have been here. See, it see, I'm fun. used to I'm used to like video interviews where I don't feel the need to like constantly like be on, and I like leave space so that I can cut it properly. But now I just I feel all kinds of pressure. Ooh, it's making me hot and bothered, Robs. <laughs> I see those eyes Jim's giving me. Oklahoma, moist. So you know, Jim. Yes, sir. How long have you been in the hobby? I've been in the hobby since I was 13 years old, so about four years. And what what poor unfortunate circumstance got you into this money sucker? Uh, way back in the day when I was growing up, my grandmother had a tank full of zebra danios and they would have babies and she sent them home with me in a glass jar and I kept them in a bowl. Uh, as I was growing up in a small town in North Dakota, we were probably 100 miles from any pet store and my mother and I had a 15-gallon aquarium full of guppies and we started raising guppies and at one time we probably had 75 bowls of guppies. And I'm talking bulls, not aquariums. We raised guppies and we, we would go to the neighboring town for where the pet store was. We would trade the guppies then for new tanks or equipment or food or things like that. Yeah, so you started at, at 13, but you were around it earlier in your life, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, from my grandmother, when long as I can remember, she always had a tank. And that's kind of what, what got us started. But I think I was about 13 years old when my mom finally got me in my own tank. Little did he know that he was uh, conceived right in front of a 55-gallon. So, I mean, I was I was conceived in the back of a car. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah. Stop filling his head with if only. <laughs> so what, Jim, did you have like a moment like. Oh, good. I thought he was going to ask me what kind of car it was. I'm like, I don't know. I, if you want to tell everybody. And I don't know what kind of car it was. It was a gremlin. <laughs> they didn't have gremlins. Did back they, uh, do, you, do you think that uh, they cut it up later for sponge filters? God. Oh, wow. Oh, when did this turn so quick? All of a sudden, the interview guy's a dickweed, I tell you. So the standing. Is, is, is that a plant that you're growing right now, Robs? Uh, so, it, yeah, tell them about the joke, Jimmy. So the, the standing joke is, is that uh, I have tanks and tanks and tanks and I have everything with sponge filters. And for some reason, Rob came up with the idea that I, I cut all the sponge filters off the back of a Buick or something out of an old car seat. And that's been an ongoing thing for the whole podcast for the most part. Actually, some of our first feedback, like actual like interaction with uh, fans was them coming and telling us their predictions of what they could get out of a Cadillac backseat. Oh, uh, the amount of sponge filters they could get. Yes. That's good. You know, so learn about fish and also learn about math. How great is that? We're the full package. <laughs> for those interested, there are multiple episodes on budgetary options in the aquarium. We're, we're, we're cheap. I'm just saying. <laughs> so getting back on track here, Jimmy, was there was there something that you might describe as as a like like an aha moment where like you kind of realized there's something here with aquariums? Are you talking about the first time I lost eighteen thousand dollars? Oh, it's eighteen now. It's always been eighteen thousand. He said eight at the first episode. Did I say eight? He was being humble. He's. Oh no, it was eighteen thousand. Yeah, I had. Three credit cards maxed out. It took a year and a half to get the truth out of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know no, I want to say it was about 18 grand. I really would. 
honestly say it was about 18 grand. You know, I, I meant I meant maybe something before that, like maybe you're like looking at your grandma's tank and you you see some stuff going on. But by all means, if losing eighteen thousand dollars is your idea, of, oh, this is great. That'll get your attention. I'll tell you that much. It's it's much less of like, oh, this is for me. You know, like the aha moment, like fish are my life. No, it was like the aha moment of I will be proven right. <laughs> no, no, it's kind of like when you're at Las Vegas and you go, I've lost ten grand. I got to win this back. I can't quit now. Banana. Anyway, put it all on black. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, with my uh, grandmother's aquarium and she had these baby zebra Daniels and she would send them home with me and, and we would put them in a bowl and watch them grow and stuff. I found that just so fascinating. What I really found fascinating is when we started producing guppies and back then guppies were very healthy and you'd have. 30, 40, 50 babies from every female once a month. And like I said, we had bowl upon bowl upon bowl. My mother had these beautiful glass shelves in front of four picture windows. It was all a house built in 1898 that we lived in, five bedrooms. It was five glass shelves, four windows wide. And so it was full of glass bowls and full of plants. So when we needed uh, food for the, for the fish or a new heater or stuff, we would load up 100, 200, 300 guppies and we would take him to the local pet store and he'd be more than happy to take him off our hands. And I can't remember, if we, I think even back then we were getting like a quarter a piece for him. And uh, we would go home with a, a new heater at no cost and some food and maybe some new breeding stock. And to me, that was kind of like, well, at least my hobby is now being paid for. And so for that, I was very excited. You get a little too excited, it sounds like, though. Well, it's probably when I turned into my 20s and I thought, you know, I used to raise guppies like a banshee with my mom. You know, how hard can it be? Um, my local Ben Franklin, which is a five and dime store. Do they exist anymore? Everywhere. There's literally one left that I know of and it's in Fergus Falls yeah, and yeah. he supplies it with fish. Because I know I know that like they the, the locations are basically still the same stores, but I think in name, Ben Franklin's are mostly gone. Yeah, right. Uh, when I first started uh, wholesaling, I had uh, Bemidji, Baudet, War Road, Roseau, Thief River Falls, Fargo, Moorhead, Fergus Falls, yeah, St. Cloud area. I think Wadena was in there. Wadena, yeah. yep, had Wadena. And so there's many, many stores around. And my quest was to start raising guppies. So, you know, why start with one tank when you can buy 40? So I bought 40 10 gallon tanks and started raising guppies. Oh, so these 40 tanks, 40 tanks. 40 <laughs> tanks. I drive up to Grand Forks, North Dakota, about uh, a, a two and a half hour drive. Went to a fish wholesale operation. And what year is this? Probably about 30 years ago, probably about 90. I went up there, bought the most beautiful blue guppies, and I found all these big pregnant females and went home, had everything set up. And the next day, a third of the females were dead had this big white saddle across their back. The um, males were looking kind of droopy, et cetera, and just watch them all die. So what do you do? You clean out the tanks, drive back up, get some more. And that's how I started my losing money quest. There's a whole lot of just bleaching tanks and finally purifying stock lines. I actually bought four gallons of formaldehyde at about $60 a gallon. It's not cheap. Wait. Plus it's that- highly carcinogenic, by the way. Don't buy any. Is that why I see like animal heads in your garage? Those aren't animal heads, Rob. Oh, Oklahoma. Um. (laughs) But, you know, they said try formaldehyde because that'll be enough to kill whatever's in the tank. Uh, Fine line between treating a tank and keeping fish alive. If it kills anything in the tank, aren't the guppies in the tank? Yeah. How did you sort of bounce back from, as we have found out, 18K in the hole? It was 18K, yeah. Um, 
I got involved raising angelfish, was able to do it quite easily to my chagrin. I didn't really expect it to be that easy. And I was able to dump off uh, two to 700 angelfish a month to two different stores in the area. Um, they would run them. I'd go in there and I'd probably get 40 or 50 cents for them. They would sell them on sale for 99 cents and they'd have two or three 55 gallon tanks sitting there and they put the different colors in there and they'd run them on sale. And so slowly but surely I made my money back and then got involved into uh, getting more and more tanks and more and more fish. As I'm delivering angelfish to the stores, they're saying, well, what else do you got? And I was wanted to say guppies, but I didn't. And so uh, what I ended up doing was I found a company called Z Fish out of El Segundo, California and started transshipping in. Early on in your wholesaling career, what were some of the setbacks that you, you faced right away? Because I don't know how many... I don't know how many people really know what a wholesaler does. We haven't talked to a bunch of middlemen. We've talked to the top people. We've talked to uh, fish stores, online sales reps. But uh, there are plenty of people like Jimmy that require the transshippers, and it's certainly on our list. I I think that you being the first person talking to that is the perfect person. I would bring in stuff and you'd have to buy in huge quantities, but you get them very cheap. And one of my first lessons was was trying to work phones and get the airlines to cooperate with you. The uh, hatred for Schmelta Airlines. It rhymes with Schmelta. It rhymes with Schmelta. I'm not saying. Actually, it rhymes with Southwest, but it was somebody else at the time. <laughs> And uh, I would I would bring stuff in, but a lot of times the stuff will sit there in Minneapolis and not come into Fargo. I'd have to work the phones, learn whose palms to grease, honestly. The fish would come into Fargo, and they'd let them sit outside on a cart. And so you'd be surprised what, what 10 pizzas at Christmas time to the crew there would do. Then all of a sudden, my stuff's underneath the heater. Everybody else's stuff is over in the corner, freezing to death. So you kind of learn to, to treat people with respect who, who take care of you. And it's always been... It's Respect or, you know, bribery, however bribery. you want to see it. So we'll have to have a podcast individually just covering from that point to 2018 when I had to pretend to be your bodyguard. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I made her cry, man. I, I, I have lost my mind at the airport so many times because they just don't care. But uh, back in the day, when I first started bringing stuff in, the people at Schmelta Airlines or the thing that rhymes with Southwest, which is Northwest, Northwest Airlines, those people were paid well. And they're making $25, $30 an hour. And they wanted their jobs and they did a great job. But now, 2020, these people are all getting paid $12 to $14 an hour. And they can't keep help. And they don't give a rat's ass about nothing. If you're going to do this wholesale thing, you have to realize that you're going to be going to the airport at 11 o'clock at night, even though it was scheduled to come in at 2 in the afternoon. You're going to have to realize that you're going to flush $1,200 worth of fish down the crapper because you pissed off somebody down in Minneapolis and they put them outside, froze them solid, and sent them the next day. It's happened. Do you sort of account for those losses or did you need to learn to account for those? Yeah, you have to learn to account for them. You you know, I've, like everybody else, I always have that money spent before I even earn it. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to get a stimulus check here in the next few weeks, and I'm sure everybody's already got it spent. And in my mind with these fish, I already had the money I was going to make off those fish spent because I was going to buy these other fish and make even more money. And there's a lot of setbacks. A lot of times you lose money. A lot of times you break even. It's very frustrating. But then, you know, when you finally get your sick, a heck of a deal and you make some major bank, it's all worthwhile. Then uh, he started to attend Gamblers Anonymous in 2016, and so far this podcast has been therapeutic for him. No, drink, <laughs> drinking has been therapeutic for me. No, you know what? I'm not a big gambler. I mean, I, I got married twice. That was my biggest gamble. So not a fan of going to the casinos unless I'm going to a concert. And... I'm just saying 50% rate's better than average. Yeah, we'll go with that. You'd be a good banker. This is because I have curly hair. 
No. Oh, what was your experience like trying to build up your connections? Because as we know, you have a lot of connections to the various farms and suppliers across the country and possibly outside of the country. How did you sort of like build your network as a wholesaler? Yeah, what you have to do is gain the trust of who you're buying from and they will tell you what's good, bad or indifferent and they'll they'll steer you away from, you know, you'll say, hey, I need some ball of sharks this week. And they go, no, you don't. And I go, are they bad? Because, you know, they realize they're, they're sitting in an office and their boss is sitting right next to them. And they go, yeah, yeah. And so you just know not to order them. But uh, you also have to learn to trust them because they'll say, you know what? We've got this particular new item. It's selling like hotcakes. You need to try this. And, you know, you know what? It's it's one hundred and twenty dollars for a bag of these particular fish. And I would say, you know what? Send them and we'll try it. And they've never steered me wrong. Are there any of those that you have tried or ones that you wish you tried? No, I tried a lot of them. The ones I, I wish I wouldn't have tried is I bought some arowana one time. <laughs> one time? One time. It's my own mistake. I didn't ask how many they were packed. How much are the arowana? Oh, they're ten fifty a piece. Okay, go ahead and send them to me. They're packed 100. 100 arowana. And here's the catcher. To pack that small, they were freshly hatched. Arowanas are born with their yolk hanging below their body. So the success rate of 100 packed arowana when Jimmy was not prepared, much less open yolk, was incredibly just devastating. Like, how many did you have left? I probably sold about 15 when it was all said and done. And if I could have got $100 a piece for them, I'd have made money, but I didn't. Um, Finally found somebody who would would take them off my hands. But yeah, you know, you gotta learn to ask questions. Are they packed 100 or are they packed 300? Also, one other thing that we got that, oh, you're gonna need to try these. Amazing success rate. Kind of recent, I was like, within the last year and a half, Tutti Fruity Frogs. I sell the crap out of them. Just that those exist are, are crazy in our mind, but they were right. They, one of the fastest selling things ever, they take albino clawed frogs and dip them in dye. Like crazy process. Can't believe they did that, but you, you'll never know what you'll get, but at least you'll get an experience. Just, uh, you, you know, ask pack rate. Uh, Jim, asking for a friend, do they taste good when you lick them? Oh God, let's talk about toad licking. There's nothing better. The uh, getting back to to tutti frutti frogs, there, I have certain stores that hate any of these items that are dyed. They're not injected. They're dyed. It's like dying an Easter egg. And after about seriously, they are tissue absorbed. They put them in there. They're taking something that in most people's minds are ugly, like let's say a white fruit tetra, or a white albino clawed frog, and they take them and they and they dye them different colors. And and here's the selling point. Seriously, I mean, everybody wants one of each color. <laughs> It's, it's the truth. It's the truth. Like it, you go through and people are like, I want a pink, green, and yellow one. Like they'll just go through and get, right. get and, a batch. And the beautiful thing about albino clawed frogs is they eat everything in the tank. And so not only are you going to sell them three albino clawed frogs, in two weeks you're going to sell them 12 neons because that's what they just ate. And mind you, Jim's selling these at pet stores. Jim lets them know, hey, these are dyed, really unethical. And they're like, don't care. We're going to get them either for you or someone else. And they're like, oh, it's just the worst thing. And that's that's kind of what's happening everywhere. So they're trying to like look at like, what's a cheapest bread and butter fish no one sells? And they dip them. Frogs, they couldn't sell, uh, sell them. They're gray, kind of warty looking. They dip them and now they're Easter colors. Just a, a really weird trend. Sorry, that was a, that was a big tip. It's just like it's just like glow daniels. I mean, we keep coming up with new colors of glow daniels, glow tetras. And you know, Rob's and I... We are not fans. Rob's and I, we... we we were children in the 90s and you know what was really popular at the time catching them all <laughs> pokemon 
Wait, that's copyright. Yeah, I was gonna I say I. No, I, that's a review. That's I was a review? I was artfully dodging this, but you just. Hey, I'll just I'll dive in there. I'll take the risk. You know, and exactly right. I mean, I'm not there to judge people if they if they want the product and it's legal and I can get it for them. I'll I'll sell it to them. I don't have to be a fan. There's some stuff that I'm not a fan of, but people love all the time. I'm not a fan of like albino quarries, and people love them. So why don't you like albino quarries? Because I see that Rob's has you know a handful over here. I just genetically they're so weak. They they don't do well in transshipping. They do great from Florida, but uh, if you transship them in, they don't do well. Just like Blackmore goldfish don't do well because genetically they're so weak. But people love the Blackmore goldfish. They they love the albino quarry cats. Jimmy's not into buying product just to have the uh, end customer of the store watch them all crap out. Jimmy wants to wants to live at the base base level of care. <laughs> Well, if I can't sell them, they can't sell them. And if I can't get them a good quality product, then then why waste our time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're talking about Florida. And how did you how did you build up the relationship with Seagrist Farms? Uh, you know, I made a phone call to them because when you transship, you purchase, let's say, for instance, Neon Tetras. Florida raises beautiful Neon Tetras. You also can import them. At the time, they're approximately the same price, but... What Secrets Farms offers that nobody else does is I can buy in smaller quantities for a great price. You know, rather than something... Getting 500 in a pack, right? you're I, getting 50. 50. Right. Yeah. And, you know, because some of those things I need to have, but they don't sell that well. Um, let's say like even 15 years ago, Cardinal Tetras were real hard to keep alive. We always talked about hedging our bet. You know, you don't want to buy 300 to find out they all suck. I'll, I'll buy 50 to see if they suck, you know, and lose that little bit of money versus losing a whole lot of money. And so that's where Secrets Farm fits in so beautifully for me is they have small quantities. They have a huge selection. So if I want somebody who wants a blue diamond discus, I can call up Secrets Farms, get one blue diamond discus sent to me and not have to buy a bag of blue diamond discus, which will cost me about $300. So it's all about how far can you make your dollar stretch and still have a nice selection of fish for people. Yeah, so... Let's uh, transition a little bit over to Rob's. Give uh, Jimmy a bit of a break if you want to go. You know, smoke if you got him. Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Whatever floats your boat. I'm going to go. He's a rocker. It's more heroin. <laughs> it's a little. And, and I don't we'll just, shoot it. I snort it. We'll just it. keep that under the bridge there. It's, it's in the McRib. You know, they're getting really creative with how to get it in you these days. They are. That's how they get you. McRibs? So you should put the yeah. COVID vaccine so, in the McRib and we all be vaccinated. <laughs> Got them all for it. Got them all. I would do it in a second. <laughs> I, are you going to get the COVID vaccine? Hundred percent. I, I am. Well, too. I mean, I, I see the Pfizer commercial. I said, you know, uh, you trust us with your dick because uh, they they make the uh, Viagra, right? So you trust us with your dick. Why not trust us with the vaccine? Seems fair enough to me. <laughs> wow. I thought I was going nut. <laughs> so switching over, Robs. What's um. <laughs> Sorry guys, this is just how I function. I just I just wait for everything to calm down. As well you should. We we have my engine. This is my programming, see? Now, Robs, what was again, sort of using that that phrase, what was your sort of aha like you you witness something that just makes you stand there and go, "Whoa." Fish. Oh, so I was like, I don't know, six or something at my grandmother's house looking at the fireplace mantle and she would actually have a stepping stool just for me so I could go up there, prop myself against the stepping stool and just stare at this. I think it was like a 75 gallon, maybe plus to me, like a, a tiny person. I was looking into the wonderland that I've never seen before in my life. It was better than TV. 
Uh, it was a massive community tank. I would watch all these Corydoras dig through different mixed substrates. She would have an array of a lot of different breeding baskets with a lot of stuff going on. This is when she was toning down after doing a bunch of different breeding. And my mother would literally go visit grandma type thing, stay for three hours and then we go home. Catch me falling, uh, fell asleep on the step stool, leaning uh, right against the fish tank, literally face against the glass, drooling. You were so, wedged. I don't, I don't remember. Because you're, you're never little. Oh, no, no. You were just wedged. When I, was, when I was six, I was, I look like a person. Now I look like I ate that person. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, that person's no longer around. So I, I can't remember an aha moment. I just remember like the first like heart to heart experience. Like I have to have this forever. It just, it's, it's, it's there. I, I love it to death. I always ask mom for fish and it was just over. Grandma's aquarium was always the coolest thing in the world. And still have tons of memories of that. What sort of was your your grandma's level of expertise? Because there's this there's this familial connection that a lot of people have within the hobby that, you know, I learned tonight that Jim as well has a story about his grandma doing this, that it, it sort of gets passed down in the family. So what really was your, your grandma's level of expertise? My grandmother had a, a lot of different expertise. She started, uh, from what I can tell from documentation, uh, from the early 60s, if not 1960, and dove into the hobby. Her and her husband both were into it pretty pretty heavy. They were trying to find, I'm assuming, family-friendly things that they could afford to do so they have their own hobby and they can participate with their children. So they would raise all these fish and have a lot of fun doing it. They did make trips to Minneapolis, go down to uh, the pet stores at the time, and she would make a mission to check kind of find what she likes the best. Uh, breed here and there, obsessed with community tanks, hated cichlids, and I'm pretty much in the same uh, same boat. I think I've grown to love cichlids over time. Some varieties like shell dwellers, stuff that are more unique, but if I'm looking at an African cichlid tank, I almost could care less. Uh, that's just how I've always been. Her expertise, uh, really big into betas. It wasn't much high-end betas, at least like, as far as I can tell from her notes and uh, the stories she's told me. And so she tried to ask for imports, stuff like that, and then bred out of her uh, house. And she would keep male pairs together, grown up from tiny babies, keep them together and sell them as permanent pairs to never be uh, separated. Normally male wow. betas attack and kill each other. So having two male betas in the same tank they're grown up from a tiny baby, miraculously didn't kill each other. They've always been together. They've never been separated and there's never been aggression. Now, if you put in a third beta over, but if you keep the pair together, you can sell them as is. And I think that's sort of like that continual discovery is, is something that I see with you, with your sort of choices in the hobby, because I don't know how many times you've just told me like, Hey, I just got this or, you know, Jimmy, how often is Rob's like, this is my thing now. Every 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes, and that's what it feels like. I mean, there's I, a there's a while there. He just had 10, you know, 10 uh, lawnmowers out in the yard, and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm into small engines now, you know. He, or at least I'm getting a taste. I think it's more of just like, do I like this? If not, here's an affordable way I could try. We're gonna give this a good solid college go and find out what my thing is. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's admirable in its own way. You know, I I, I love dabbling in everything, like me dabbling in fish stuff, but I, I I'm not I'm not ready to commit. I'm not you know I'm not feeling it. Unless it's Dennis and Barb's, then it's Unless over. Unless it's Dennis and Barb's, then it's over. I swear to God. Okay, you put that one in time out. If that Barb dies, we're done, sir. <laughs> that that Barb is a treasure. He's finally on the up curve. After all this time. You know, one of the funniest things is when I said the word Denizen Barb, 
and you just lost your mind. I lost my mind. Like, you know the name. Like, normally it's like Roseline Shark or Cool Looking Fish was what I was expecting. Full on Denison Barb. Like, you, pff, I'm sold. Like, you did your homework at that moment. I'm like, hmm, micro interview time. You've been doing your homework. Yeah, that fish is what? Six inches long. He's a national treasure, a lot like Tom Hanks. But he didn't get COVID. That's the, the fish didn't get COVID. Yeah, but he has ick, so I mean, teach the wrong. Yeah, I mean, you have to deal with it sometimes. He, he is your, your fish room's dad, clearly, just as Tom <laughs> Hanks is America's dad. What what sort of was your, your beginning in the hobby then? So you, you have this grandma who's crazy expert at this. I've seen the book. I think it's super fun um, with all the notes that she put in there. When did you start getting serious about it? Pretty much right away. You know, grandma had the tanks, set something up at, uh, at my house. I live in a lake. So every day was going out to go fishing, love the the water world that I, I grew up in and always had some sort of aquarium uh, on hand. It was always something small. I was really poor growing up, really, really poor. So if I had a tank, it was something that I found at a garage sale, uh, bits and pieces. And I remember doing odd jobs for the neighbor that owned ostriches. I would go out, feed the ostriches, uh, to help them with chores. That was a, in and of itself a complete story, but I'd saved my pennies from the ostrich farmer and finally I was able to uh, buy two different tanks, uh, a small like 40 gallon with a stand and then another uh, 75 gallon, which I still have in my basement. Jim, what is it with this area with people in exotic animal farms? It We don't have tigers. We need more tigers. I've never heard of the ostrich story, so that, it, that surprised you know, me. I heard about, you know, I come from the town with <laughs> you peacocks. You picked up. I, I perked right up. I was we, taking we, We've got the peacocks and the buffaloes where I'm from, and apparently ostriches over in uh, literally, the woods. The buffaloes are literally in, like, the city park. Yeah, it's the weirdest shit you've ever experienced. See, where I grew up, there's at least 2,500 buffalo within a five-mile radius of where I grew up. So I grew up around buffalo my whole life. And uh, to me, it's not anything exciting anymore. Not like a prairie dog or something that's cool. Oh, prairie dogs are great. They're, oh, God. They're so much fun. They just, you know, they go in and out. All right. Small tangent on the ostrich thing. You weren't allowed to wear hats. You shouldn't have long hair because all ostriches pick the shit out of you. If you walk in, they're they're very social creatures. As long as they're not breeding, they're pretty tame. I'm reminding myself. Don't grab your hat and run with it. I'm, I'm I'm remembering how Robs would always talk about his luscious, long, curly hair in his youth, and I'm getting some ideas in my head here. Yep, they 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 try to whap the noodles. And <laughs> let me tell you, you're talking about your hair, right? Dewey, the ostrich farmer, thought it was the funniest shit ever. I'm sitting there, ow, fucking, and just going off, and like I'm holding like a feed bucket. Now feed him, and he's just giggling. You know. I mean, you know, an ostrich probably likes ramen, I guess. I I wasn't a you know I'm I'm six foot what two ostriches are huge creatures and there's no uh, you know equalizing with them they're they're towering above you and they pick your hair what can I say and ostrich omelets are pretty dope so <laughs> and okay that's, that's a segue yeah it's a segue it's a segue so, and we're talking about an ostrich butt. So I don't want to know if I'm. Doing oh, do you have do you have anything to add here? No, I've got nothing on ostriches. Other uh, than he does feel like he wants to put his head in the sand. No, I just was thinking to myself, laugh at that, damn it! I wish an ostrich <laughs> would kick him in his nose. That was a, that, that was, was that was so such low hanging fruit there. <laughs> oh, we just recently uh, went over to Brainerd, Minnesota, to our local zoo over there, and we got to feed giraffes, and that that's my new fascination. These these giraffes. Get out the credit card. I think I need one. Well, we we, we know that he has issues with credit cards. Okay, we. <laughs> Oh, not anymore. Not anymore. He, oh. No, they've been taken away. He's thoroughly chastised. All right. So um, kind of going back to this knowledge that was sort of like passed down 
from your grandma to you. And we have a very literal form of this in, literal in, form. in the book. And Jim, I assume that you would have learned a thing or two as well uh, from, from your folks. What, what sort of... I don't know how to phrase this without it sounding a little weird. Let's go. Let's go to the weird places. So what do you think was lost when they, uh, you know, are no longer with us? Like this information that they have, like, yeah, see, I don't know how to phrase this. No, that, I feel like that was uh, pretty, pretty well put. Uh, everything. Uh, you can go to an encyclopedia, Wikipedia page, fish lore, website, whatever you're looking at, and find what they have as, here's parameters, here's what we've seen as their diet, here's the breeding, but they don't really tell you insider secrets. They don't tell you when water changes, they have brilliant color, when you introduce mysis shrimp, along with zebra danos they they have an interaction between them you know maybe protecting a cave there's so many anecdotal notes that are so valuable in the hobby that only either experts people that have put a lot of heart and soul into it all that information gets lost from a transition and our you know transition mom mom passes away you cherish those memories and stories and uh, if there's someone you can share it with, you found a podcast to do it with, great. There's just so many people that are experts out there in different fields that I think we can glean and we don't lose that. I have, again, book from Grandma's Notes. I definitely take that, uh, that to heart. As I'm sitting there showing you the book, putting my own anecdotal notes and just realizing I'm not publishable, but I should certainly record this somewhere. What I've learned is valuable to at least me and mine. Imagine what someone with a PhD or... 35 years of breeding has just to compare it to someone like me that just does this for a hobby you know what i miss about the whole thing is the simplicity of it all i mean how easy it was i mean back in the day when our grandmothers were alive there was no google there was no internet and it was a book maybe an encyclopedia and uh, they're just going off of what they've been told by pet stores or they've learned on their own and they never made it hard. I mean, sometimes I think we take this hobby and we make it too hard. And, you know, back in the day, we weren't worried about pH and that sort of thing. We're just doing water changes. Fish aren't acting right. Let's do a water change and maybe throw a little salt in them. And I, I remember my grandmother always had a box of that aquarium salt there and stuff. And I miss the simplicity and the actual just fun of it. You know, I mean, we spend a lot of hours doing different things, trying different, you know, colors of gravel, you know, the old clown puke and all that stuff. And I just miss the simplicity and, and the camaraderie and the fun of it all. Everybody, I'm assuming, because again, how I started into it was being poor, not having a lot of connections, being a kid. Uh, everything's a mystery. And I'm assuming that's how it was for you is it's just fun exploring, learning new things. The only uh, thing you hope you would have is maybe an aquarium club six hours away that you couldn't go to. Yeah. So. You, and, and I don't know how you'd find out about the aquarium club. Honestly, I mean, it was either phone calls or you saw something on the bulletin board. And that was it. There was no putting it on the Internet and and uh, or getting on a mailing list is probably Another thing. You felt like Indiana Jones discovering some treasure on your own. As you said, there's there's so much information out there today, and I think there's a lot of people, especially if you read any comment section, who are very good at spewing that information back out and, and telling you how, you know, you might be doing it wrong because this said to do that. And a lot of these things, once they get passed around enough, sort of become the new common knowledge and sort of the new conventional wisdom. Whereas with what you guys are talking about is sort of that, this is my lived experience 
and my way of, of handling things with sort of information today of like what needs to live in what kind of water and like what kind of situations and how often you should be doing this and what fish you need to pair with. How important is you could say either conventional wisdom or traditional wisdom and also how important do you think it is to challenge that so let's pick on jim kitchen right he was on i can't remember the episode number jim kitchen is an expert on pseudocanthicus and at the time most of the pseudocanthicus species were not bred in captivity so he pioneered on that basically going to those exact same scenarios that you sat with your family jimmy trying things out Let's see, oh, something's happening, water changes. Something else is happening, let's try testing it on our own because there's no book for this. And the, the stuff, the anecdotal, traditional wisdom, if you will, that he provided, uh, just like one of the examples where getting him to breed, he understood that females are getting choked in traditional caves that they make. They're not able to breathe. In a mud bank, they would have at least enough where they could get oxygen through the water going through the mud. So he contacted universities talked to art professors and said, hey, can you make me a cave with specialty clay that's breathable? And he gave them the exact instructions. They had interns at colleges make caves, and he was able to successfully breed first-time-in-hobbies species of Pseudocanthicus with anecdotal traditional information, and stuff like that is 100% invaluable. That's where are we going to have an expert that has 75 different versions of Pseudocanthicus never before bred in, in the hobby and make sure that that correct information gets passed? Yeah, it's just not. It's If that goes with his notes and he passes, it's lost forever. So if we're able to touch someone in a 60-minute, hour-and-a-half episode and able to grab, you know, at least their most vivid points that they've learned for anecdotal evidence. We have done the best thing that we never could have assumed to do with the podcast. Yeah, with with Jim Kitchen, aka also known as the Pleco King. Uh, Jim Kitchen, what a wonderful guy, and he he shared all these secrets with us and with all of our listeners. And 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 for those of you who know Jim Kitchen is, um, it's no surprise. I mean, you know this. It's no secret. His health is he's in poor health. He has Parkinson's disease. It took us many many hours to record that particular episode because a couple breaks throughout and we we made it comfortable for him yeah because he was having having uh problems with his parkinson's and stuff but he stuck in there with us through the whole thing he says no i want to get this done i want to get this information out you know when we got done we 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 kind of got off uh the air with him and stuff and, and we were very very humbled that this man took time i mean he's not doing well he took time off to tell us secrets to help other people because he doesn't want to take them to his grave. And and that was a very humbling experience for all of us. And uh, we are very, very humbled to, to have him on the podcast. And I can't thank him enough. Now, you mentioned, is it important to challenge uh, information? Uh, I believe that's always. If you're getting information on a website, number one, you don't know where that came from. Uh, Wikipedias can be changed by everybody. It's literally the encyclopedia of the world. So if you want to make a clerical edit... Guess what? You can. And that might turn into some dead fish. One of the things, I'm looking over at my 90-gallon tank, right? Literally read this through books throughout the, the 50s of rummy nose tetras. Uh, they weren't hugely popular um, for years. I think it was like 90s is what we uh, did homework with when they finally took like nano tank craze. And the information that they had in 1950, because they have that same book, and they've made revisions to it over the years. And I have the original copy all the way up to some newer copies. And that's one of the books my grandma made notes in. Uh, the original copies, little to no information. 
uh, basically told where they came from. It had a drawing. It did not have a picture. It had a rudimentary drawing of what they could have even looked like and had no information. Next edition, oh, they look like they're uh, shoaling species. Ooh, who knew? And the revisions came, uh, came as more and more information trickled. Well, we've seen them in hobbies. They're now farmed. And people are like, oh, they're, they're a tetra. They school. You need slow-moving water. Well, let's challenge that traditionally. Slow-moving water, where do they come from? So talking with Ivan that we just had on the podcast, he's sitting there watching them climb up small waterfalls, like going through whitewater rapids with ease, just seeing them jump in the rapids where they're happily sitting at all times. So traditional information can certainly be skewed. Take it as is as a starting place and then explore from there. How important do you think it is for people to, you know, find out this information on their own to do the hard work and the exploration? You know, when we started this podcast, it was my my concern is that I'm the oldest guy in the podcast. And, and I feel like there's not a lot of young people coming into the hobby. And when I first started in this, nobody would give me any information. And like I said, I started out in the 90s. There wasn't really, you know, the Internet out there to uh, look up stuff. And uh, it was very, very frustrating when people would sit there and say, yeah, I can't tell you. So it was kind of like my goal to help out younger people to bring them into this hobby. Because right now, I mean, honestly, all the young people, all they want to do is be on their phone. They want to be uh, playing Pokemon or, or, or doing whatever they do on their phones. And uh, you go to these fish clubs and there's nothing but old people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on it. I'm just saying that there's not a, young, a lot of young blood in there. Uh, down in the Minneapolis area, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are, that are bringing their children and grandchildren into it. And that's what excites me about it. You know, let's get these kids involved. Let's keep this going. I mean, I always feel like like we're a little bit behind aquarium keeping from other countries like like Germany and whatnot. And uh, I mean, those folks over there are just rabid about how they keep fish. I mean, and look at how the over in China, how they keep goldfish. I mean, they, they put them up on a pedestal and they're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on goldfish. So I just wanted to bring some awareness to, to the young people and to not put it in a dried out scenario. I mean, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs. We talk about punching each other in the throat and Robbie talks about nothing. So, knew it. so anyway, we just wanted to, to try to bring a little excitement and a few laughs because when I listen to something on the radio, um, I can learn something, but if I get to laugh, it's just a bonus. You're, you're talking about how it's it's beautiful in China, what they're doing with goldfish. Sort of the level of enthusiasm in other countries that you just, you know, perceive to be, uh, you know, it's a more popular thing. People are more, more into it. And I do think that when you get to a, a certain point in this craft, and I would, I would very much call it a craft... And that's sort of what I what I identified with, that these are guys who are taking a lot of time to learn something that they love and also get good at it. On the on the other hand, it's fish keeping to me sort of seems like performance art, because um, depending on what species you have, uh, they could be short lived or long lived, but a lot of them sort of end up on the short end. So it's it's fleeting in this way um, because you're literally dealing with keeping something alive. How do you sort of deal with that as part of the process that what you're doing has a time limit? Uh, uh, I, I just don't look in the mirror. If I look older today, I just don't want to be reminded by my fish. No, uh, I think it's most prevalent in killifish, right? Uh, killifish have the best amount of documentation, not necessarily as for the species, but who else, like, 
if you talk about cichlids, there's not like a massive like AKA cichlid association like like uh, rainbow or not rainbow fish uh, killifish do. Uh, killifish have diehard fan bases. They have more documentation than anybody else. They have auctions. They make it better than any other fish club to join, but yet it's still not popular. You'll see only select amounts of heart the hardiest of killifish but yet you don't see a bunch of different kinds access to them's a little bit mixed and it's because a large majority of them are annual species and that is extremely intimidating for people to start into including myself uh i'm getting into it i've done it in the past but not to the degree i feel like it should have been i feel like there's an injustice done i need to know more to share more we just had a fantastic gentleman talking about killifish on the podcast and it just blows my mind that more people aren't into it. It's literally the the most colorful species you would get uh, in freshwater is killifish. And yet, hardly anybody even touches them because, well, it's not going to be like my cat that lives 10 years. So I think there's a, a bit of a gap there for some certain species. But I think that it's not talked about. I have people calling me uh, uh, asking, hey, my beta just died. What did I do wrong? Well, how, how long have you had your beta? Seven years. Well, that's incredible. That's a nice, good, long lifespan for a beta. Like, you should feel accomplished. Like, you gave him a nice, long, healthy life. Clearly, you had him in the correct environment. And that's one of those things that really, really got me in is that you build these relationships with your fish over time. I think a lot of the people who don't, you know, look into it just just beyond the bare surface like maybe they've seen a, a tank in like a doctor's office or like a dentist's and you're like oh it's nice to look at but uh until you start like looking into it a little bit my cat is just so adamant this evening he loves me um he's horny <laughs> the cat oklahoma blueberry pancakes <laughs> you know the blueberry pancakes are getting me that that that's every every time i hear that one it's just <laughs> but uh Oh, great. Where was I? This is yeah. awesome. You're kind about of, getting connection with your fish? Yeah. And uh, life expectancy. You know, not not even not even like getting connection like with the fish that, that you have. It's it's being able to see the relationships that other people who are into it have. Because if I if I may invoke their name, uh a great example of this is what the guys over at OFR are doing, the Ohio Fish Rescue, where they will keep people's fish so that they can come and see them again, even though the original owners no longer, you know, can take care of them themselves. And I, that was just, there's just something about this community that is so heartwarming and so kind if you just know where to look. And on the surface level of it, you think, that's fish, they're nice, they just kind of float around until you sit down and you look at them. And then you start seeing like, oh, this one's got an interesting behavior. And then suddenly you know how to pick out the one of the of the school and you give that one a little name and then you know you start to like it more and you like this guy more and oh well this guy i've had for five years you know he's insert name here or i'd imagine if uh if one-eyed willie really you know does a good job here he's gonna be one for the history books but uh sort of these uh <laughs> not your, not your penis jimmy not your penis so I don't think I've to told uh, many people about uh, what happened with that that fish. By the way, if I can go on a tangent, yeah, sure. Uh, I went to uh, a pet store down in uh, the cities, and I got a uh, asked for a. And you got any rainbow fish on hand? I only have two females. My male Basami died a long time ago. He had a growth, and I just maybe they have something. So I look in the back, uh, their back tank, and they have a bunch of like one and a half inch, one inch Basami rainbows because 
COVID decides to uh, ruin everything. Do you have any other fish? He's like, oh, one-eyed Willie? What are you talking about? Oh, let me show you. He's got this beautiful, full-grown Basami rainbow, and it's literally has one eye. He can't sell it. No one will take him. Like, oh, I'll take it. No, 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 on the house. And he just gives it to me. And now I have a uh, wonderful fish. And yes, it only has one eye. Call it Lucky the dog. Uh, but definitely that's focus. It's named. And now, of course, he's the center of attention in the tank. So the connections that you'll have with uh, with your fish and cats that really demand your attention during the You know, the I don't know why we brought the cats to the cabin, honestly. <laughs> we'll just take you over here and edit this part. <laughs> <laughs> You said bring pussy to the cabin. I just showed up with it. Jim, I, you know, I'm you, glad you, that you were literal in this way. You could edit that out. Nope. <laughs> you know, if, if anybody out there is not really too much into fish, I don't know if there's anybody who would be a listener like me who isn't into it, but kind of vibes with your energy. I'd like to apologize for the uh, addiction now that you have. And also, what have you named uh, the, the Denison Barb? Uh... Well, you got the three new ones. I honestly I forgot about the big one. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. What are the those were the three new ones? It was, it was it was so Rob's got three Dewey, Dennis Huey, and, and Louie. No, no, no. It was it was it was Denise, Denick, and Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's that's perfect. You know, you know, Rob's knows how to please me because he he's, whoa, whoa, he's been. Uh, I do blueberry pancake. Uh, I mean, I you, get banana you, pancake. You didn't That's say Jack Johnson. You didn't say Oklahoma. I'm a little scared right now. I want some pancakes. I have diabetes. So you know, he 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 gets them. I I know he's been after these things for months, right? But he just can't get them for. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on in the world right now that makes it difficult. But uh, he finally did, and I tell you what, I have never been happier. It's, it's just for you. It's. I mean, I uh, yeah, clearly. I, Exactly, and uh, I appreciate it. You're welcome. I can accommodate with fish. This is such a shit love fest, I tell you. Like, you I, guys, like honestly, I don't know why you're broadcasting this to people because it's got to be just a serious fest. I'm just going to turn down the freaking lights, and you two can hold hands. They asked for an interview. We'll but... play muskrat love, and you two can just giggle in the moonlight. I just feel like he he nailed the connection because everybody's like, "Oh, fish! Like you can't pet a fish like a cat. You can't. Oh, some of them you can. Well, and and that blew my mind." Penis. I was like, oh, wait, wait, a penis you, can fish. Do, you can do what with, with a penis fish or an Oscar or something like that? Right. It, do, uh, again, weather loaches will come up and they'll interact with you. They want, they actually physically want attention, snacks and treats. But no, most fish you can't, so it's hard to inter interact with. So I'm glad you got that point down. And hilarious, you got to name my fish, but do continue. Well, I mean, somebody's got to. It's sort of like, why do I, why do I love that f fish? Is because you know they they just dart around the tank and they try to school with anything in there if possible. So they they make everything else run around the tank really fast. And you're not gonna you're not gonna understand that and get an appreciation for it unless you take the time to be like, oh, let's go beyond the surface level. Because I was working on on an idea for a documentary about the hobby because I was like, there's so much going on here that I think is so crazy between. The, you know, the familial passing the hobby down through the generations. The fact that everybody calls it the hobby was the first funny thing. They're just like, they're talking about it like you have to be in the know, right? Like, oh, I'm in the yeah, hobby. Yeah, Jimmy, you got to be in the hobby. You know, you watch a guy on YouTube who just started out and maybe bought a tank like two weeks ago. And he's like, yeah, I'm in the hobby. They're so confident about it. They, it's like they really want to be there. Apparently to, it's elitism. Who knew? To me? to me, No, it's, it, it, it's, not, it's not really elitism, but you got to be in the know, you know? <laughs> So, um, and and the the other funny part is, you I'm, know, I'm gonna pray for both of you tonight when I go to bed. That the Tiger King blew up during COVID, and it just seems like the perfect film. I mean, honestly, 
I don't know where you're going with that, but I, I don't get it. You know, Tiger King, eccentric people Jim, and fish. Jim, how long are we going to put up with him? Honestly, you know, it's it's kind of like when you choke a Smurf. You know, how do you know when to let go? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got any more questions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at what shade of blue do you stop holding him under the water? But but what I mean is as I'm as I'm as I'm explaining what I see to other people because that's my job is right. take my excitement and pass it on to other people. My medium is just film, whereas your medium is podcast. So everyone who I tell who they they don't keep fish themselves, they're like, wow, wait, what is going on? And and sort of like there's some crazy stuff going on here, but it's also like crazy cool. And there was nobody who who I talked to who was like, eh, I don't know. So I think that's a little bit of a sign there. You guys, you guys do uh, we're hot do or cold stuff. as a as a as a community apparently. Yeah, and let's see, where where else am I gonna go with this? Wait, where's the pancakes on your list? He's gonna take it down a dark highway. Is what worries me. He saved the best for last. Don't worry. Really, it's all your questions after this. So I've started to formulate uh, an opinion of what I, as an outsider, would sort of see successes or being successful in the hobby and i'm gonna i'm gonna say what i think it is and then i would like you to sort of give your opinions on that and then both of your own individual ideas of what being successful in the hobby is so not eighteen thousand dollars well obviously now i would define success in the hobby as you have fish you are living them to their full size and to their full lifespan and that's it that is that is what I would define as being successful. I think it's a series of getting better at having your fish not die. I mean, yeah. And then up from there, uh, can I breed them? Uh, is it good quality stock? Can I make a better fish? Can I make uh, something shinier? Can I have it have a cooler tail? Can I do this for a living? Is always like, oh, I like fish. Wouldn't it be cool to have a pet shop and then not know what's going on? So everybody has a a different uh, vote of success. We've had people on the podcast that measure the success in competitions. Not only how well can you keep it alive, but how can you have it thrive? How can you have it have the you know best attitude? Like the flower horn uh, episode we had was nutty. It was a lot of cock jokes. Uh, I get it. K-O-K, the, the ball on the forehead. But if honestly, talking to him about the passion of competing was Westminster Kettle Club stuff. So everybody has a bit of a difference, but that is the base measurement of success. Can I emulate in my square piece of hardware the best environment for this creature to live a full and successful life? I mean, that that's bread and butter to me. I agree. That's it? Yes. So you know, you're that guy in like in like, okay, everybody in the class, you got to make sure that you comment on everyone's stuff. And Jim's over here like, I agree. He'd be like, that was really helpful. That was super constructive. Thanks, Jim. Well, Jimmy, Jimmy's a, a business guy. Jimmy's measurements of success is uh, making sure you're delivering a good product and uh, you're, you're blowing kisses at me. No, ching. Ching. And the monk's monk. The, yeah. the maximum and doing it And doing it with a, a thick wallet. I, I would say that mine is, is, a, is focused sort of a lot on the ethical side of doing right by the fish, which I, that, that's sort of my, my own personal view of it. So do you have a different view of what success is, you know, as a wholesaler? You know, my, as a wholesaler, what I you know, deem a success is getting the product that my 
customers want. I love a challenge. I know Robbie does too. When somebody says, oh, can you get me this certain beta? There's a new a new beta that was just published in Tropical Fish Hobbyist Magazine here a couple of months ago. And I've been looking for this particular beta. I personally think it's very, very ugly. It's a kind of a plain beta with one spot on it. And uh, I don't have the name of it offhand, but um, I've been looking for this now from about three or four different wholesalers. I'm getting closer to getting it. But every time something new comes out in a magazine, uh, it, it drives it drives some sales and stuff. So for to be able to find that as a wholesaler and get it into the marketplace faster than anybody else uh, is what I really try to go for. That's how Jimmy and I actually expanded our hobby together. I had this insatiable thing to learn everything about all these species I haven't had. So I started going through Jimmy because Jimmy's a fantastic uh, connection and we're finding all kinds of crazy species that even in, you know, my grandma's uh, uh, documentation says I've only seen once, don't know how to try again, maybe weren't even in fish books. Like I always mention anableps. Jimmy found the anableps for us. They almost never come up on fish lists and they're like a crazy bug-eyed, four-eyed creature dolphin. And we decided that we're kind of good at finding unique things. Jimmy has a lot of different connections. I have a lot of different private party connections and we decided to do a business together. People might enjoy hearing your misadventures before you guys started becoming the aquarium guys and doing this podcast. So other than both touching the same gallon of RO water in the uh, grocery store and being soulmates ever since, we touch jugs. Now, what? (laughs) 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 No, we did not. Okay. So... How did you guys how did you guys end up going into business together and and sort of what happened between you know saying like oh you don't need RO water in this town and hey we're running a business. Well, I was minding my own business once again and I was at the local grocery store after we had just moved into this uh, town. I moved from another town 20 miles over. So I saw this goon over there filling up all the RO. I mean, he was standing there and filling and filling and filling RO. And I was trying to do 100 gallons of RO in jugs. Five and, gallons a jug. And That's a lot of math. And I was doing trips back and forth in my house. And so I, I just, I said to him, I says, I think, I think you said something about you're filling your aquarium. And I just said, now be careful if you put straight RO water in there you will strip the body slime off the fish and kill them. And I, I should have just kept walking because then I wouldn't be doing this podcast with Robbie, but that's how we met. And uh, I had previously, you know, five years earlier, had um, been running RO water in a 125-gallon tank. I uh, got distracted. Um, I had somebody over there helping me, and I thought I was going to do like 50% RO. I went to lunch. I came back. The tank was full. The RO was pulled out. I threw in about 75 angelfish and I watched the body slime come off of them and watched them all die within about 10 hours. Strip anything off a, of a paint. Uh, I had a remineralizer, but you sat there like, no, I live in the same town. You don't need to use RO. We have pretty good water for fish and showed me some more testing strengths. Yeah. So it was just, uh, you know, just trying to save a, a fellow fish lover from killing his fish. Um, I brought in all these angelfish in to be my breeders. And what I'd like to do is throw a 75 fish, 125 gallon tank and watch them pair off and pull pairs. I had a hundred pairs at the time and I thought I knew what I was doing, but you know, there again, just a simple mistake and uh, I killed a lot of fish. So there it's just, uh, you know, trying to help out your fellow, your fellow Aquarius and, and making sure that you don't do the same stupid thing I did. So I started talking back and forth. I'm like, holy shit. I live in a tiny town. There's a fish, uh, another fish guru and just different questions like and he's like so what do I want to put in there I'm like I really I've never done freshwater lobster before never done that at all so he's oh I can get you those you can get me those are you some sort of like mystical dealer yeah like what and then he's like no 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 like 
what else are you looking for? I'm like, well, some of these are like, no, those aren't compatible. I've tried it. And plus, you can't even order in Minnesota. And this dude was just wealth of knowledge. I spent immense amount of money getting rare fish through retail means. And I mean, like doing favors. Like I had to spend, what was it? $150 for one female rainbow fish that was bred from uh, Gary Lang's stock. Now I have this new wealth of uh, information and a connection to the wholesale market. And I finally get a taste of what the margins are on those, what he had access to, and I lost my mind. I'm a tech uh, by trade, sort of like, you have access to all these fish. You're wholesaling to stores. Why aren't you selling online? We can easily sell for lower prices online because you have all this access. And you're clearly in the practice of ordering all these fish for me and me going crazy on all the, the different things for a few years. Why can't we just do it for other people? So we started Fish Finders Plus with the idea that if you have a fish wish, uh, wish uh, we'll, we'll do our best to find it. And we really did. But it came into a lot of business issues. Uh, number one, and most importantly, shipping, which is the biggest issue with right now with COVID. We had a shipping contract worked out with the Postal Service, uh, exclusive to Postal Service. They give us lower rates because we're online retailer. And as we're working out the contract, Amazon uh, did a multi-billion dollar contract with the Postal Service and all the little guys got cut including us. So their cut our great way of shipping to be competitive with everyone else, gone. When people ask for requests, they, I want one of this one really special looking beta that I saw in this magazine. And we find it and then tell them, sorry, uh, minimum quantity 100 from the one person in the world that we can find that breeds it. And they're like, oh, well, I'm good. I just wanted to pay 99 cents for something that looked cool. So the business model of finding a fish wasn't good. And we learned... Uh, from people that like uh, Steve Rubicki has been doing this for years that the only people that really succeed online are the big box stores that do more than just online sales like the wet spot in Seattle that you can get all kinds of crazy unique fish from or people that do it better than anyone else like again we mentioned Steve Rubicki J4 flower horns there's people out there that have their corner and they're known for the flower horn, the seahorse, the angelfish, and they just own that market. Yeah, it's very hard to, to be everything to everybody. We kept low, overhead low. We did close the business, but uh, it, it didn't cost us too terrible much at risk. We set it up uh, well as a test run. We learned a lot, and I would, given the chance to do it again from the stuff we've learned, absolutely. We're sitting here as failures, aren't we, Jimmy? I'm used to it. How do you guys deal with failure? Like... Uh, you hear all the time fun stories about losing a lot of money from the two of you and, you know, me no longer being able to see a really fancy arowana that was super dope. To even even just now where I, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm looking at Rob's tank, he's, he's on the phone, and I see an, a deathly expression in his face. Jim, I see him turn pale just before you got here. And, you know, Rob's, he's like, I put this plant in this tank and, you know, I just need grow space. I know it doesn't it doesn't look like it fits that well. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Robs, I, I think it detracts, but you're in it for the money, clearly, so I guess. And he just goes totally pale. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm looking. The dojo loaches, they're they are they are digging around in the in the substrate. They're they looks like they're trying to find something. But he's on the phone with somebody, so he's now paying attention to the tank. And I follow his eyes, and I see just the tiniest little snail. <laughs> oh, if, oh, if you could see Jim's face right now, it's it's, no. it's worth a million words. Does Robbie have trumpet snails? The, I got the, herpes, Jim. Yes. 
we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> Don't drink the aquarium water. We so live, how do you we, deal with failure, Jimmy? I live about a block away from Robbie, and tomorrow I'll have frickin' trumpet snails. Yeah, they're going to crawl through the snow. Because he gave me plants the other day. In oh, a, different tank. You're clear. Different tank. So you're telling me that I don't have the gonorrhea of the aquarium world <laughs> right now, and I'm supposed to feel good about it? Y- yes, you do not I'm gonna have I'm going to go home and bathe in bleach, and then maybe drink some, what do you call it, liquid plumber, and just to clear myself of this horrible horrible disease that you have over here well i think that answers our question uh jimmy doesn't deal with failure instead he makes fun of his friends that fail worse now that's projecting that's not very healthy (laughs) (laughs) nobody ever claimed that i was healthy i tell you that much you know the uh you look back in history you look back at the guy that invented wd-40 it took him 40 times to come up with a good lubricant (laughs) seriously Look at Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken King, he wasn't a success till he was in his 60s. So I just feel like like there's, it's never too late to uh, to make yourself successful. I mean, when Rob says we're going to start doing this podcast, I thought, great. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? We'll have some groupies. That hasn't happened yet. No groupies. Oh, no. There's a ton. You just never have a social media profile. That's good. I've heard about Facebook. I don't know what it is, but... I'm not going to ever go on the computer. It's that place where he got poked once and deleted it. That's right. Well, I don't like to get poked by strangers either. Blueberry pancakes. So the moral of the story is Jim punches throats and we repeat fluke yourself a lot and then own it and learn from it and make the next WD-40. But were, were, were some of those moments tough to get through? Oh, yeah. When when you're paying your, your bill and you're going, let me see, I still owe $8,000, $5,000 for, for some dead fish. This is going to suck. So, um, yeah, it's painful to a point, but, you know, you pull up your big boy pants and you continue on. I mean, nobody ever gets ahead in life by, uh, you know, completely quitting. It's not going to happen. What advice would you have out there for the people who are getting into it and, you know, they're going to face these setbacks? The best advice I ever got was from Paul Norton. And I've said this a hundred times on the podcast, Norton Tampa Bay Fisheries at the time. And Paul Norton says, you know, Jim, you can keep a healthy fish healthy, but you can't get a sick fish healthy. And there's a lot of truth to that. Once your fish gets sick and they go downhill a little bit, it's never quite the same. So if you treat every fish that you bring home and you quarantine them and you treat them like they're sick and before you put them in your your regular community tank, uh, you'll be so much more successful. I know we all get very excited when we come home and we want to put that new fish in that tank and stuff, but you never quite know what could be, you know, wrong with that fish and stuff. So uh, you want to keep your healthy fish healthy and you want to bring in your new fish and just uh, quarantine them and treat them like they're sick. Give them a little bit of medicine just in case. So it's kind of like having some vitamin C in case you might get a cold. Don't go alone would be mine. Uh, find a community. Uh, there's a ton of uh, places online you can find. Even I'd say some of the worst places is my favorite would be Reddit. I just got a beta. I put it in a bowl. And then suddenly you have 324 comments hating you to your core. That is the easiest way to, you know, I tried fish once five years ago and be one of those guys. Don't be afraid to fail and find a place that's there to help you when stuff goes, does go south and you didn't quarantine in the first place. There is no dumb question, really. I mean, if you don't know, you need to ask and don't feel dumb about it. And and don't make people feel dumb about it when you answer their question, unless it's Rob's. You know, that's okay. You guys, now the aquarium guys for about a year and a quarter, year and change. Year and some change. 
You're one year in. Do you have any reflections sort of looking back at what the journey has been thus far? I honestly didn't think we'd ever get as far as we have. And uh, now uh, the future is so bright. We got to wear shades. We are getting such wonderful comments from people. We're getting such great guests. Thanks to Robbie. Adam is a wealth of information about reptiles, about the obscure things in the obscure hobby things in the hobby you know i missed one you guys would uh, shout out you know in the earlier episode so shout out to adam adam is been a friend of mine he was one of my customers when i first started i, I met adam when he was about 15 years old and uh, i've been friends with adam for uh, about 20 years now you know just a combination of somebody with retail experience wholesale experience and somebody who's just batshit crazy like robbie it seems to work and uh, it's been very successful and looking forward to uh, doing more stuff. Eventually, after this whole COVID thing is over, we're hoping to be able to get out and uh, do some speaking at different places. We've had people reach out to us and ask us to come out and speak at their aquarium clubs. We're not sure uh, what, what they're expecting from us, but I'm just going to bring some nachos and beer and show up. Is there any sort of um, thing that you felt sort of like either that's that's been sort of like, I didn't think that I would feel this way just because I've been doing a podcast. Like, has there has there been any sort of, like, profound effect on your life? I mean, getting to see Jimmy at least once a week is always a, always a good spot in my life. You know, McRib Sauce and all, Jimmy's the uh, big profound piece of my life. Uh, other than the community, like, the, honestly, the, the community just blows my mind. We have people that are on our Discord night and day, posting, helping each other with content, and literally, we only advertise the Discord on the podcast so no one else can see it. So it's just people that know the podcast, uh, know Jimmy's terrible pu- uh, punch-throat jokes, and have that camaraderie and understanding that we this is our passion, and they have the same mindset to, to share with each other. That's the hugest part, is everyone listening. Blew our mind. Uh, we're in the top 25%, north of the 25% of all podcasts uh, because of our listens. Uh, depending on the day, we're number one. Uh, Randy Reed of the Aquarius podcast. We uh, back and forth with him on who's the number one podcast. Listen to that podcast. Fantastic quality. Uh, we're the guys that add little dick jokes into it for uh, com- a comedic pleasure. That guy's a real deal. Um, check it out. But we would never have guessed that this would happen and tickle pink by it. We get a we get messages a continual stream having the podcast with a telephone number to text us and I literally answer text messages whenever I'm awake it just goes directly to my phone it's got an ID filter and I get text messages from people all over the world um, we only refinely pick questions week to week on the episode and you know we're just a couple of guys love the fish hobby want to talk to other people and learn more about the fish hobby and we're making a connection with people on a level we never even knew we got people that you know want to know how our uh, our day went want to want to know what's next in the podcast and then just blow our minds like that's the traditional stuff we get you know i i don't know if we should talk about it robs but i think we i think we seriously should uh something that blew my socks off and um i think i'll we've never shared this with anybody Uh uh-oh Back in August when I was on vacation. Do you remember what happened? I Remind me. Um, so You got really hammered on a cruise. No. Oh, this, okay. this is back in August. Uh, my, my wife and I were out of, out of town, and Rob sends me this text from a listener. And someone said that, uh, I was feeling low today. Um, I thought that it was going to not be tomorrow. And just from having a laugh from guys that felt like my friends... Uh, saved my life today. It basically said, I want to thank you guys from stopping me 
from killing myself. Didn't, didn't expect that for a podcast at all. But if we can make any impression in someone's hobby and make their hobby a bit more enjoyable was all we're looking for and share information. But clearly we're making way more of a connection we ever, ever dealt with. And not a lot of tears from, uh, from all the aquarium guys in the circle for that one. They yeah. caught us off and, guard. And, and I, I remember the morning that you got that. You, I, was, I was doing my usual. I come down here. I wake up before Rob's or, well, I used to. He's got a different job now. And I would turn on all of his tanks for him because I just thought it was kind of fun. And, you know, he's just there in his room. And he's just sitting edge of the bed. And he's just stunned. And, and I'm like, oh, Rob's, what's going on? And he's like, I... You know, he just didn't know that what he was doing could do that for someone else. And I think that it's it's because the consistency that you guys are honest, the fact that you guys are giving of, you know, your time, your expertise, um, and you put a lot of effort into making sure that the people that you get are also sharing in that same mission that you guys had were get people to have this information, talk about something that you love, be able to express that in, in such a way that other people feel the same excitement that you have. You will never know what you've done for somebody else. Um, truly because not everyone's going to say it, but, um, I think as you go along, it's these little kind of moments that will remind you why you do what you do. So yeah, definitely, definitely change our skews for sure. And, uh, this, this podcast is, uh, means a lot more than just what we originally intended to us. And if, uh, we can make any impact, even if we didn't expect it, we're, we're happy to help in any way. I don't think we've ever talked about, about this on the air and, um, you know, for the privacy of our, of our fan, of our listener. I mean, this was a family guy who had a nice family, has a nice family, and he was thinking about checking out and, what we said, I don't know, that made him think twice about it. But, you know, life sucks sometimes. And uh, if you just need a laugh or you need a friend or you need uh, somebody to give you a hug, you know, you don't ever know what you say to a person on any given day, how it affects him. You know, my mom taught me a very valuable lesson in life. And she says, you know, when you go into a place of business, you say hello to everybody that's working there from the janitor to the president of the company and just something so little as saying hello to a person, how you doing today? You might change their life. You don't know. So, you know, as much as we love to uh, joke and, and pound on each other and stuff, you know, just to be a friend and just to be uh, a comrade to people, you know, that's all what life's about. Take care of each other. Is there anything that you guys want to say to your fans that, you know, Maybe you don't because, you know, in, in Discord, it's, it's usually pretty light. It's pretty fun having a good time. Or like, you know, Rob's is always on, on a video call with somebody after the show, it seems like. Um, but is there anything that you guys would, you know, want to say to your fans that you maybe felt like you, you haven't been able to or haven't quite had like the right way of expressing? You know, I just have genuine, genuine appreciation for people stepping up and giving each other help on this podcast. Um, you know, they have fun. They, they poke fun at each other and stuff. But these people will answer your questions. They, they will 
back you 100%. And the, the community that has developed from this podcast just blows me away every single week. And I don't I don't see half the stuff that Rob sees. Uh, the amount of art creations, the amount of how do I do this? Hey, I want to try this. I've never heard anybody do this before. Uh, I even use my own community. I think last week I was asking, I, I set up a dehumidifier in my corner for a mess I made. I wonder if I could use that water again. And I just go to my community and like, no, I killed fish. It's gray water. So I, the amount of collaboration, we're not the experts in anything. We're lucky enough to get some experts, but we have such a wonderful, open, welcoming community. We love our fans to death. We expect, like, we have almost a perfect review rating. My favorite reviews are only a three-star review. And the guy says, they're not really funny, but good information. Like, that's how we feel about ourselves. <laughs> they're not as funny as they think they you are. You guys clearly think we're something we're, we're not. And we, we're, we're blessed every day by you. Yeah, the one thing we, we don't ever claim to be as experts, ever. But we will try to find you the answer. If a doctor practices every day, we're certainly doing something lower than that. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, do you guys have any plans for the future? It's end of 2020. You've got mm, 70 episodes under your belt. What do you guys got in the works? We story time is our biggest, biggest uh, episodes. We started story time because we have a lot of tangents in the podcast. We collected them. Hey, can you do just a podcast filled with tangents? And it's hugely successful. The last we're now on story time three. We've had YouTube uh, or different celebrities we've had in the podcast before. So a lot of times it's been like a YouTube celebrity, somebody with unique stories they can bring to story time. Uh, next, we want to do, and this is a call to action for you guys. We want a user story time episode. So for you guys that have had, you know, hilarious uh, stories, uh, heartbreaking stories, we want your story submissions sent to us so we can read them on the next story time. We want you guys to be the center of attention and we're going to pick our favorites and send out prizes. Uh, we, we want to see what you guys, uh, got at the plate and we already got a couple, cause like I mentioned to some people in discord, we already got a couple of stories going in there. They're certainly fantastic. Uh, we want that from you. Otherwise for content, you know, we've, we book these episodes like two months out in advance and we try to do these at seven o'clock live so we can have a studio audience. And now we've broke limits in discord for how many people can listen live. We've maxed it out a couple times. So what we're going to do now is during the live episodes only on 7 p.m. We're going to try to do these on Twitch. We've spun it up to give it a test run. We're going to have to, uh, ramp that up because we, we don't have enough space in discord for people to listen live. So growing pains that we we never expected to have the listens we have, fans we have, and now we have to look for more solutions to accommodate more people. So uh, as far as the list, I can give you a, a few that are coming up on the calendar for future dates. And again, you're listening to this on Christmas, so we have a couple episodes already in the hopper, such as another episode of Dr. Fish, Killies, Seahorses. Um, we're going to be doing an interview with uh, Watercolors Aquarium Gallery in Michigan. Uh, they have a wonderful store that instead of them being a pet store, they want to do it as an art gallery and you're, you're welcome to buy their art, which is the fish. It's a wonderful concept. I'm really excited for that. We have uh, David Boozer of the FTFFA. It's the Florida Co-op uh, Fish Farmers. We're bringing Scott back on by popular demand from the tint because everybody loves brown fish, uh, fish water. You know, more to come. We, we're continually doing a list of different content requests and we do every episode evergreen. So if you want an episode, demand it to us on Discord. A lot of these episodes come directly from user feedback saying, I really want a flower horn episode. We got one of the grand champion flower horn owners. It's it's literally that that back and forth. We try to listen to our fans. So message us in and uh, 
there's a, a hint that uh, we might try, and this is, again, might be doing an aquarium certification course for beginners. We have so many beginners coming to our podcast, and a lot of our topics, we try to answer questions as though someone's heard about flower horns for the first time. But again, it's a lot of advanced topics. We have newcomers that have never set up a tank before that want to get into aquariums, so we want to accommodate them and have a more handhold, still comedic, college-style course where they would pay for the course and become a certified aquarium guy. And then they get a free t-shirt? I uh, Maybe. I... Oh, I'm just hoping for it. If not, time. there's t-shirts available now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, we, we've been do, doing this podcast, and every time we get a great guest, they turn us on to another great guest. Uh, Robbie's a hound dog when he, he follows those leads. And, uh, you know, if so-and-so says these guys are okay, then then these other people will come on. So what we've been trying to do is, is get as many guests as possible we've been blessed by secrets farms to uh they allowed dr fish to come on they actually have him on the payroll working when he's talking to us about fish he is punched in working for secrets uh secrets farms on the podcast helping us out with questions and we never thought that would be possible and he's been been wonderful and then as we have the dr fish episodes we have all the other episodes that's kind of like school and then back to to rob's talking about story time that's kind of like recess for us where we just sit back and just let her rip and so it's it's been a blessing. It's been very fun, and I'm looking forward to the future. Well, guys, I want you to stay authentic, stay genuine, keep up with the humor. I hear people like it. And uh, most importantly, just stay curious. And as Scott Feldman says, stay wet. Is that is moist a word? <laughs> we'll stay. do well. We can't we can't take his catchphrase. We'll have to do like uh, be moist. How about this catchphrase? Go fluke yourself. <laughs> well. I don't know if uh, <laughs> this is exactly what you uh, had planned when I when you were like, hey, come out to the cabin in the middle of the woods here. But uh, that's uh, my part. I'm going to go say, uh, say au revoir and uh, brave the storm. So thank you, Aaron. It's uh, it's been a, a real, real pleasure having you on. Uh, before we go, Jimmy, you have a Christmas story. It's a Christmas episode. Read them. I need some music, dude. All right. You got to turn the lights down low. Just for you, Jimmy. That's beautiful. A little campfire going on for you? Oh, that sounds nice. Yes. So as many of you remember last Christmas, my good buddy Rob Zolson sat down and he read us a beautiful, beautiful poem called The Night Before Christmas. He totally slayed it. And this is my rebuttal. And so I want to read this to you sitting here in my smoking jacket with my pipe and sniffer of brandy. Robs, you can look up what a sniffer of brandy oh, is. Oh, I did. I looked it up last year. So you know what it is. I do. All right. Yes. So I'd like to call this one The Nightmare of Christmas. <laughs> now, this hasn't been copyrighted maybe a few lines you'll recognize but this is 100% from my heart and it's all 100% true it's called the nightmare of Christmas it was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was staring not even a mouse the scene was so dull so bleak and so boring I sat there drunk, staring at the flooring. 
So I put on my shoes and my Superman cape. Well, it's not a real cape. It's just my wife's red drapes. <laughs> Silence. I kill you. You see, for most of the night, I had been drinking from a flask. So a party I was looking for, that was really my task. So after a quick walk and stumbling around, I was looking for the biggest party that could be found. I rounded the corner and saw a huge tent. Hell yeah, a block party. So off I went. The music and lights were really pumping. So I let myself in. The place was jumping. After my eyes adjusted from the darkness and lights, I started to scan the crowd. Wow, to my delight. It was all my favorite characters from all the great Christmas shows. It was like a dream. How they all got there, I really don't know. There was Ralphie from the Christmas story. He was sitting there counting his toes. Well, now I know why. He had a spoon up his nose. In the corner, I caught just a glimpse. Heck yeah, it was Charlie Brown, but he was dressed like a pimp. <laughs> so Lucy was looking real pretty and hot. Charlie Brown tried to sell her to me, but I chose not. Well, it's because we all know Lucy is crabby and bossy. And if I hooked up with her, they'd be looking for my dead posse. No, that was wrong. I gotta read that again. Uh, that, that works. No. Well, it's because we all know Lucy's crabby and bossy. If I hooked up with her, they'd be looking for my dead body with a cartoon sheriff's posse. <laughs> Linus and Pigpen were doing some shots, but by the end of the night, they'd be sitting with the cops. Then there was Frosty the Snowman in the middle of the room. He was talking to all the misfit toys, all on live Zoom. You see, the coronavirus pandemic has taken its toll. Oh, good grief. There's Peppermint Patty swinging from a pole. <laughs> Kermit the Frog was so drunk and so green, he'd been drinking tequila. Now he's dressed like a queen. Santa and Rudolph were flying around the big room, and there's Frosty putting him live on Zoom. And so I ask, why can't famous people have just a little bit of fun? Now on YouTube, we got a drunk Santa flying indoors, shooting off his gun. Just when the poop was really hitting the fan, Kevin from Home Alone showed up. Oh crap, this should be grand. He came right in and shook off the snow. What's he got with him? Oh, hookers and blow. <laughs> As the music got louder, and the party goes up a notch. What did I just see? Kevin hit Santa right square in the crotch. <laughs> so just like Studio 54, live from the 80s, cocaine fell from the ceiling and then it got crazy. You see, this year has really sucked and it's been very depressed. So my advice to you is to get drunk and crazy and totally undressed. So when you sober up, sometimes in 2021, maybe we can all put away the drugs, the booze, and maybe even your gun. 
So with this simple poem, I hope to find you safe and sound because six feet sucks when you're buried in the ground. So Merry Merry Christmas, everybody. And that's how the Grinch stole Christmas. Amen. (laughs) Um, Wonderful. Thank you, Jimmy. Merry Christmas to one and all. I uh, I I need you to to read my uh, obituary obituary someday. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, from the Aquarium Guys podcast, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Till next week. <laughs>